You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is a community of people who, if they're given a chance to create, even when things are hard, or actually maybe especially when things are hard, that is what they're going to prioritize because it gives hope. Art gives us hope to be able to create in that way. Welcome to Was It Chance, the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. I'm Heather Vickery. And I'm Crazy Straw Alan Seals. <laughs> and we're two perfect strangers who met by chance and embraced opportunity. Listen in as we chat with other successful people like our guest today about the risks they've taken to put themselves in a path to creative success. Success, <laughs> success, success. <laughs> Don't you have an app for that? To make yourself echo, echo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait. No, let's not ignore our most fabulous guests because Alan and I get really full of ourselves and then we just go off on a tangent. And I'm honestly highly entertained. I'm going to sit back and watch the Alan and Heather show. Thank you. Thank you. I. You know what? Nobody could possibly be a fan of this show and not enjoy the Alan and Heather show because <laughs> we just go like the damn Energizer Bunny. But y'all, we have Rain Ross with us today. And I think that you're cool, Rain. She does something that I personally just am fascinated by. And that is using dance as a way to create community connection. Create is my word of the year for 2022. And one of the things I want to create is more community and more connection. But I don't dance, so I don't know. Um, Rain helps people find themselves through movement. A dance professor at Stockton University. And also the very first, I'm going to get this right, the very first guest artist coordinator for the International Dance Day Festival in Lebanon, which is not... I think the location people expected to hear come out of my mouth when I started that sentence. And you're just in a movie, right? Or you're in the process of movie making dance? It's a dance, dance film because we've switched everything to basically being online virtual. And so I switched to making dances on film as opposed to just filming a dance on stage and putting it out there. But yeah, I just did one with my friends in Lebanon. And... I want to dig in more of that. This, okay. And so we're going to, have to talk about what the difference is in a movie and a dance film in just a second. But this film looks at the impact of the economic crisis, COVID-19, the revolution, the Beirut, I can't speak, explosion, and how this has affected everyday people in Lebanon and ask the question, 
what does home mean to us when we can no when it can no longer sustain us? That's fascinating. So I am an ignorant boob. <laughs> and, and an honest one at that. So thank you. Thank you for playing. Fill me, me in on sales, what, everybody. <laughs> fill me in on what I'm missing historic or uh, I guess culturally outside of, of America. Like what's going on in Lebanon <laughs> that we need to know about? Because that's a lot of information just in that little blurb, right? right? So in 2019, there were protests and a sort of mini revolution against the government of Lebanon because people were upset with how things were being run and the economic situation was pretty bad. And then COVID-19 hit and so the protests and mini revolution had to stop because people couldn't be out in the streets and the economic situation got worse because COVID-19, right? So people couldn't work. And then the, it was, I believe it was, was it August of 2020? There was the explosion in Beirut and Beirut is the main port for Lebanon. And so that's where most things come from and go. And it was terrifying. And I actually went and visited the site. It is still pretty awful. And even though my friend's like, oh, it looks so much better as I look around and there's just buildings on the ground. They're just not there anymore. And when that happened, that of course impacted the ability to import anything into the country. So prices went up for everything, which considering the economic situation Mm -hmm. made it even worse. And then you add to it, the government situation made it so that a lot of the potential resources that could be sent from international spaces were not going to be sent because they were afraid it would not go to the people. So there really was not a lot of economic support and help, and it's just continually gotten worse. So I was able to be there in June of 2021, and an example of how bad it is is most of my friends are lucky to be able to eat one meal a day because they can't really afford much more than that. Or one of my friends, she was like, well, I can either get period products or I can have food. Ooh. And, that's, wow. and then there was another friend who her father trying to find heart, his heart medicine pretty much impossible. Uh, Medicine is just really hard to come by. And so everything is just really rough right now. And that visit, so I've been going to Lebanon for a decade, and there's always something going on there. They've they've still been struggling from their main revolution, trying to like get things really going, but there's always been hope. And this was the one time I visited where there just was no hope. I did not feel hope from anybody. It was really devastating. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's let's go back. Let's get some more information. And um, I believe there's some chance, but maybe intentional manifestation, which is what this whole show is about. In that process, you are you currently live in Pennsylvania. You're I live orig- in Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. You were originally born in Hawaii. You're a dancer. You're a teacher. You're an actress. What led you to Lebanon a, a decade ago? Yeah, what's the connection to Lebanon? Yeah, that was my I'm next like, question. wait, okay, so I hear this, and you're passionate, you- and I feel it, and it's devastating, and h- how? <laughs> it, it was chance. Yeah. It really was. I had been in grad school, which, you know, we make no money in grad school, and then I started my first job, and I had student loans. I had no money, and I'd not been traveling. I was really missing traveling. So the manifestation of it was I sent to the universe. I was like, you know, I'd, I'm ready to go somewhere internationally. It's been a while send me where I need to go. And I put that out there. And then I was headed to an academic conference, CORD, Congress on Research and Dance, and I was presenting a paper. And there was a whole group of people in this, on this panel, and one of them was Nadra SF. And at the end of the panel, 
I overheard her speaking with someone else about this dance festival that she was starting. And the person was obviously not interested. And I was sitting there going, this sounds awesome. So afterwards, that conversation ended, and I'm doing my little eavesdrop, and then I go, hi, my name's Rain. I couldn't help but over here. And I would so be interested. And of course, exchanged contact information, all of that. Nadra's side of the story is she went upstairs to her friend and said, I've met this crazy American who says she wants to go to Lebanon. I bet she doesn't even know where it is. Um, uh, I do and did know where Lebanon is. But (laughs) she figured that I had no idea what I was getting in for and didn't really think that I was going to follow up. And of course I did. I sent her an email shortly after saying it was lovely to meet you. And I am very interested. Sent her an email a few weeks later saying, hey, just so you know, I'm interested. And from there, my constant being like, I am interested is what made it so she decided to invite me. She needed an American choreographer for the funding for it to actually happen that first year. And I was told that nobody would come because of the political situation in the Middle East. And I, of course, was like, of course, I'm going to go to Lebanon. I've never been. And I went. It was amazing. And then I ended up going for 10 years. Wow. Ten, wait, you lived there for 10 years? No, no I no. just go every year to help run the festival. Oh, wow. Anywhere from a week to two weeks. So this was total, total chance that you embraced that just shaped, well, the tagline of this podcast, you create, <laughs> shape your creative success. <laughs> Yeah, but really, it is. It was totally chance, but it was also me saying, wow, this could be something. I don't know what it is. I don't know who this person is, so I'm going to take a risk and see what happens. And I mean, I think that's where, and that's, that's really why we started this show, is to dig in on that. It's one thing to be presented with a chance opportunity. It's another thing to be aware of it. It's yet another thing to then take action on it, to embrace it and to create and manifest what you want from it. I don't like to assume because, you know, that's a mistake, but would it be fair to say that this maybe wasn't the first time you had embraced chance? It sounds like maybe uh, you're built that way. (laughs) I'm built that way. Yeah. I mean, traveling, going places, being like, oh, I have a friend there. Let me go there and see what happens tends to kind of be my method of of living my life. Although with, I say take risks, but they should always be measured risks in my mind with some knowledge of what's going on and some awareness of how to get out of a situation if one needs to. I mean, especially if you're headed off to a war zone. Yeah, Yeah. I feel. What's the first time you can remember embracing a chance opportunity and having it really mean something? That's a really hard question. (laughs) Alan brings the fart jokes. I bring the hard questions. Did you say I bring the fart jokes? (laughs) It is what I said. Oh, okay. A lot, I think probably one of the first ones that I really made the choice myself was um, I dropped out of college to go join a ballet company in South Africa. Oh, wow. And my chance was that I sent them a letter and a video and said, can I join you? And they offered me an apprenticeship. And I do have a connection to South Africa. It wasn't like absolutely out of nowhere that I chose that country. My father is from there. And I thought this might be a way for me to go and meet my family. 
that was part of my intention behind it. But I didn't know it would work. And so that was how I went and joined a ballet company in Durban. And then I decided I didn't like it. You decided you didn't like it. Okay. Well, I was stuck I was stuck in a one room rehearsal space with the ballet mistress and uh, artistic director sta- uh, chain smoking with no windows and there was a whole whole continent to explore <laughs> I was like <laughs> so I stayed with the company for two months and then I traveled and I traveled through Zimbabwe Botswana and South Africa okay so you're obviously an avid traveler and you love to experience all these other cultures. How does how does dance play into all of this? Where's the creative merging of the travel and and the creativity and the dancing? You mean besides that it helps me to get to those places? I well, mean, sure. that's a pretty badass jumping off point. And then you do whatever right. the fuck you want. Hence, yeah. South Africa, right? Yeah. It gave me a whole new life experience. And in terms of the ways that it integrates within the creative side, I think that interacting with any other cultures helps to shape the work that we make and mm-hmm. makes it more accessible to a broader range of people. And I just hope that I also find ways to connect with more people that way. And I think going back mm-hmm. to some of the, my concepts on community, it's like, how do we utilize our art to actually not just be sort of this upper this this ideal kind of thing of oh only the elite get to do this but how do we create a space Mm. where it becomes something that all people get to experience because art to me is very much like water like food it is part of our lived life yeah Um, going back to Lebanon my first year there I met this woman who she was uh, she's a dancer and uh, actor and she performed in the U.S. and in Europe before returning to Lebanon to start her school and she was there during the the major Lebanese civil war. And she tells these stories of going across the borders uh, within Lebanon to create dance and to perform, basically risking her life in order to bring art. And her whole concept was, if we don't create art, why are we even fighting? What is the point of doing any of this? And just really trying to make sure that we don't lose our humanity in those experiences. The, the actual act of dance, of movement, of uh, vibration, feeling the vibration of music and whatnot. How, have you ever thought specifically about how that integrates into um, the emotional state of people or how that helps people connect? Because art in any form heals. It's creativity. It's expression. But dance specifically combined with the chemical release of of movement and the emotional connection to music takes everything to a whole new level. So have you ever thought, I guess, yeah, my original question, have you ever thought about <laughs> uh, what that means to you to, to be able to dance and, and bring people together in dance? Or is it, like you said, is it more of just a vessel that that takes you to places that help you find like-minded people? I would say that dance definitely has that space to create healing and connection just by moving. I mean, think about when we used to be able to go to clubs, uh, <laughs> going to a club and dancing around with everybody and just that space of euphoria that one feels just by moving in a room full of other people moving. Mm. And it's a really exciting moment. And it's hard to get that if you're just sitting. So the movement is part of it. And you look at movement therapy, dance therapy, you look at lava movement analysis, all of those sorts of movement therapy forms, it's very integral to things. And 
I also think about as a as an academic, because I am a professor, I think so many people in academia think of their bodies as a way to just like transport their little brains around everywhere. And they forget about everything oh, below. And yeah. I can see it in how people walk, right? They're not fully embodied. And I just think, you just need a dance class. It doesn't mean a concert <laughs> dance class. It's just like get in and move and be in your body a little bit. Do you know what's fascinating? When you, as you were describing that, I was picturing like, you know, debutantes or, or girls who were taught to walk with their books on their head so that they didn't move their bodies at all in any way except for to walk quote unquote, perfectly so that the book didn't fall. Like we're conditioned, particularly women, societally, to not use your bodies to express or to feel things all throughout. And I don't know necessarily how that's relevant, but as you were describing that, I'm like, yeah, you can see it. It's like, it's in, it, you're their focus on their brains and they don't connect those pieces. And I wonder how that has affected us because dance in and of itself is, has been around like always. And it's such Mm -hmm. an important part of so many different cultures. And I imagine it's a wonderful way to connect with different people to learn their cultural experiences, their stories through dance. And so as we tried to condition people in America or probably in Europe as well, but out of it, what kind of effects can that have? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it goes into that body-mind duality and that concept that those two things are separate, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when one looks at the development, say of a baby, if they miss a movement pattern, it actually impacts how their brain works. And right. so the, the the physical movement patterns also correlate to the mental development. And so there's also a component where if you lose some of those movement patterns, it will impact the brain. And so I do think that within Western culture, we've tried to say, this is one, the body, this is the other, the mind, and they're two separate things. I think that question, which would you, when you age, which would you rather lose? your mental capacity or physical capacity, which is for me, I'm like, how, I don't understand how those, that is a question because those two things are tied together, right? If my, my mind is going to go, I'm also going to lose a lot of my abilities to move. If Mm -hmm. my movement goes, it's going to also impact my abilities to think because they're not separate. But yeah, I think we're very much taught that they are. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I first introduced you, I said you create community through dance. Is that part of this? Like, what does that mean to you? A lot of the work that I try to do, especially places like Lebanon, is to bring people into a space of dance. I mostly teach ballet and modern and improvisation at this point in time. But I feel that there can be classes where we all dance and we all create spaces to dance. And I think about 
some of the people I've been able to engage with who've never stepped into a dance studio before. And they come in and they've taken my improvisation class and they're just like, oh my goodness, I found so much of what I can do now. And it has nothing to do with dance. It's just their space of freedom of expression and freedom to communicate with other people in new ways and autonomy over the body. And to create that space in community, I think is what I uh, prioritize. My favorite thing to teach is actually improvisation because so much of it is about community, about connecting with others, about finding one's own individual voice, but also sharing that with others, feeling safe enough to share that with others. And so those layers of things are what I believe really bring a community together. I love that. Alan, you look so thoughtful. Yeah, <laughs> such an introspective look at his face right now. No, I, I this is just, it's interesting timing of this because I, I interviewed somebody um, from my other podcast yesterday, uh, Lauren Lotaro, who's, a, she's currently choreographed, she's choreographed Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway. One of her hobbies is neuroscience. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> and why not? And we, and the the I literally was just talking about this. So it you know it, was it chance? Yes, it was that the back to back interviews that have to do with with choreographers, dancers, the the way that your brain reacts to to movement. It's like you were saying, Rain, that that the body and the mind are are one. You you don't lose one without losing the other, no matter what goes first, because they are tied together and responsible for each other's success and growth. So part of um, what what I find really interesting is, especially with people who have brain damage or or things neurological disorders, that um, trying to get them to do things that keeps their brain um, from doing things that are routine, like walking is one thing. It's good for exercise, but it's routine. But if you're walking and someone throws you a ball, you have to catch the ball. That's spontaneous. That's reactive, and that keeps your that keeps your brain elastic. And I think dancing, would you say sort of does the same thing in a way of learning a new routine, learning new choreography or even teaching? Especially as an improv. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends. Like, I mean, one of the things I think people love about, say, ballet class is you're going to start with plies. And predictable. you're going to do tattoos and then you're going to do ronde de chambre. You know, like you're going to, you kind of know what to expect. But even within that structure, you have things that change that allow for that elasticity but then throughout as you and that's sort of like the space where you develop a warm-up so that then you can do the more complicated things to prepare your body and yes improvisation definitely creates a space where you don't know what's coming next and we're trying to create new pathways right one of the things I try to encourage students to do is don't go for your first choice go for your second go for your mm. third oh try to why find different because your first choice is your habit more often than not, especially I teach beginning improvisation. And so then we start trying to find the habits. And then we also have the conversation of, is your habit necessarily a bad thing? Right? Because maybe it's not. Do we, we just want to know it's there. We want to acknowledge it so we can make a conscious choice to use that decision and not just go to that decision because it's your automatic go-to. I'm writing that down for the internet because that's fucking brilliant. Don't for go for your whole first choice. Internet. That's getting tattooed on my third butt cheek. I've got so many <laughs> things I gotta get tattooed on my butt cheeks. I think we later need to have a whole conversation about your third butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring that up, but well, no, we've had we've had several How interviews can so we far. I'm like it. No, what I don't remember if it was in the same interview or not. It's all blending together now at this point. But I said one thing was gonna get on my butt cheek. The other thing 
that somebody said I wanted to put on my other butt cheek. So now that I'm going back, this is a callback, Heather. So <laughs> so now I don't have any but more you, butt cheeks. You only so need, tattoo your butt cheek? So like you, you, you know there's more to your body. He just oh. wants to show it to his wife, I think. Nobody else gets to see. I mean, me, do they? Never mind. I don't. Whatever. Was it Chance? Okay. Was it? Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So, Rain, I would love to go back. You so graciously shared that there is a difference in a movie and a film. You were filming your dance because you could not dance live. Correct? Do I have that right? But it's a film. Itch, it's a dance itch. film. Mm-hmm. Is that a movie? <laughs> I think more that I was trying to make a difference between, say, what most people think of as a movie, where there are actors with lines gotcha. telling okay. a narrative story, and there's a plot, and we have a beginning, middle, and end that fits within a very gotcha. s- usually specific narrative structure. Gotcha. This is far more abstract than there is no speaking. And it's like 10 minutes long. It's, it's a short. 10 minutes long. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. What you describe as the film exploring is so vast. How in the world do you do that in a 10 minute dance film? How do you express all Especially that? when you have like three days to make it. Uh, yeah. What? Okay. Sure. And maybe a language barrier. Well, there's no, there's no, it's the nas- international language. Oh, of I mean, one of the dancers speaks English, French, and Arabic. The other dancers only speak English and Arabic. I mean, you I know, mean, slackers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's not usually a language barrier. Most people there speak three languages. Okay. And I'm the slacker and trying, I'm still trying to learn Arabic and I've got a few, few phrases, but I feel really bad about that. Uh, so I structure um, for this one, most of these dancers are highly, highly trained in improvisation. And I structured various scores to build the movement material. And we moved, built it together. So instead of specifically choreographing it, I would say that I was directing and constructing the material because they were creating the movement themselves. And it also helped to bring out more of their own experiences and feelings of what was going on within Lebanon, because of course, while I am witnessing and can create space for their voice, the actual experience of what it's been like to grow up in Lebanon and what it's like now is not a lived experience that I have. So if I were to create the movement, I feel it would be very inauthentic. So instead, I, I did a little interviews with them and I, I created structures based upon things that they were telling me. And then they built the movement phrases. And then we went to various locations in Jebel, which is uh, also known as Biblos, which is about an hour north of Beirut, and utilized some of the, those locations to also help tell the story. So that includes, there's in the background things like the castle, which would be the Crusaders' castle. There's the, the water, the Mediterranean Sea. There's mm. just so much history within just this tiny city. There's the Mina, the uh, the marketplace that we also film in. And so you can see the the roads where the Romans walked through. And so you can see the history of it as well. So it's not just dancers in a black box space or in a theater space, but it's in the actual space of where they grew up and where all these experiences are happening. I've heard about the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually Nina, M-E-E-N-A, I believe. Oh, Nina with an M, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. And who is this for? 
Well, when I was creating it, it was really for them to mm. feel like they had a voice. That space of arriving and seeing my friends without hope, I wanted to give them something to hold on to. And I wanted them to feel that they had something in their life where their voice mattered. So developing it was really about creating that space for them. And now that I've just finished having someone edit it for me, because I do not do the video editing myself. That is not in my skill set. Um, so <laughs> I had someone else do that for me, and it's now finished. I'm hoping to send it out to various festivals and hopefully get it screened and shared that way as well. Amazing. We'll see what happens with that. But the biggest thing for me was the space for people to have their own voice. Where do you think people in general uh, are, are most creative um, and I want to relate that to uh, Beirut specifically, because when, when you said that you went over there and you see friends that basically are like, I have to choose between basic fundamental supplies. Um, and when you're starting to lose hope, where does the creativity, do you see creativity, creativity start to diminish a bit? Where do you think people are the most creative? And I'm relating that to um, this time in of complete despair and hopelessness in this region, right? Because if you're going out to create to explore creativity are you having to try harder what are you trying things differently to get them to express themselves in a way that where people who have who want for very little or don't want for basic supplies um have an easier time how are you translating your uh, i guess giving them the room to uh, express themselves and encouraging them when there's so much as you were saying earlier sort of like challenge to exist? Honestly, as soon as we walked into the space where we were creating, it was like a sigh of relief because mm. these everyone didn't have to think about all the other stuff. They could just create. And after I left, there were a bunch of things that they were able to start doing. I, I had the, uh, Sarah and Nadra, and I think Jimmy as well, went to Baalbek and created some work there. And they tend to, my, my friends tend to create a lot. And I do think, I hope that maybe me being there helped to generate it. I wasn't the only one who went then either. There were four of us. We all had plane tickets still because 2020, the festival got shifted to online. Mm -hmm. So all of our plane tickets got canceled, but we still yeah. had them. And so we all went. And so there were a bunch of different creative opportunities that happened over the course of three months that otherwise wouldn't have. The hardest part was for people to get gas to get to where things were happening. But honestly, this is a community of people who, if they're given a chance to create, even when things are hard, or actually maybe especially when things are hard, that is what they're going to prioritize because it gives hope. Art gives us hope to be able to create in that way. And I'm not talking like, you know, big <laughs> outlandish kinds of shows, which I also love, but just being able to express oneself and having that opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, I, I believe that goes back to the mind-body connection piece, right? I know people who jump up and down as they chant their affirmations or, you know, whatever it is, it's the same. It takes you out of the spiral of one thing and back into the vastness of, of the universe and of possibility. I mean, I even think about Starting of COVID in March 2020, I was living in New York. I was in Hell's Kitchen. And I actually had stepped away from dance for a little bit because I had suffered a very severe injury. I do not have an ACL anymore and surgery did not work. Oh, so yeah. I'm not allowed, I, I can't jump. I can't run. 
I can't do a number of things. Um, and so I was like, well, who am I if I'm not a dancer? Of course, meanwhile, I'm like, I tell people all the time that just because you can't do certain things doesn't mean that you're not a dancer, but it didn't apply to me, right? <laughs> um, but when COVID hit and like everything was just pure shit, right? And it still kind of is. Um, when it hit in that March 2020 in New York, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I just started improvising every single day. I'd write about what the experience was. I'd set a structure for myself. I'd improvise. And then I'd post a little clip to Instagram to keep myself honest that I was doing it. And it's honestly what got me through emotionally uh, was my artwork. And I think for a lot of us, that's the space when we need art the most is when we are going through hard times. How did surgery not work with an ACL? And you don't have to talk about it if you want to, because I've severed my ACL in high school. Like, popped right out of my femur and took, uh, made me a new one out of my hamstring ligament sheath, which, you know, is fun and cool. Either that, that or the cadaver at the time. Anyway, I just think it's it's interesting to me. I love I love the body. So it worked for a while, and then I was like, I'm not getting any better. So I finally, it took me a while to convince a doctor to do another MRI, and then they realized there was the ACL had re-ruptured. There was no specific incident. There was no like injury that caused it, but it had re-ruptured, and so my knee just said no. I think it's pretty <laughs> much. I mean, my knee was like, no, nah, this is how we work now. So you can't physically, truly can't do many of the things that defined you as a dancer. However, there are lots of ways, you said this to other people, to be a dancer that doesn't, def- yeah, that doesn't have to define you. Uh, I know people who are paraplegic who dance, maybe they move their head, like what does that mean? So how did you take that? As somebody who embraces opportunity and chance and once you probably... I mean, you may still be really fucking pissed about it and I wouldn't blame you, but maybe once you got past the initial really fucking pissed about it, how did you redefine yourself and find a new way to be the dancer that you are and to do something that brings you passion and joy and hope given those circumstances? I think some of it is giving more space to other people to do more of the movement uh, it's also just saying these are things that are off the table. It's this is the restriction of the improvisation of the movement of any of that, right? I just don't have those options available to me. But what is on the table now? What do you do instead? Uh, upper body arms, extensions, turns. I can go to the floor. There's still a lot. I just can't fly anymore. Mm. And that was my favorite part. Big jumps, flying up high, dropping down to the floor, some more physical kinds of things, uh, high energy kind of jumps and stuff like that that are just not available, which were my favorite. I'm sorry. I can still put my leg up high, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, it's that's that's just the tricks, right? Those are the tricks. That's yeah. what, and that's part of why dance is often a young person's art form. But the artistry keeps growing. When we watch an artist, at least from my perspective, when we watch an artist, we're looking at how they approach the material. What do they bring to the performance? What do they bring that they're sharing with their audience? And that isn't how high they're jumping. That isn't how many turns are they doing. It's the honesty and the opening up and the vulnerability. And that can be done by walking across the stage. Yes. So I just have to remind myself of that. I'm not always... <laughs> I'm still working on it. Okay. Yeah. I just remind myself constantly. What do you do in terms of uh, 
the mindfulness coaching for others? Because looking through the information that you have about yourself online, that's one of the things you have in there as well. So how does that play into the creative part of your life? But how do you incorporate that into your, your daily routine and your and teaching in general? So this is new for me. And I've got, I'm working with a couple of people who wanted to gain some more awareness of that connection between mind and body. And so we do some virtual movement coaching sessions where I talk them through some various movement capacities. And then we talk about things that are going on in their life and how to be more proactive about creating the life that they want. And they're finding that being in movement helps them to feel like they can do it. I totally agree with you. And I'm laughing, not at what you were saying, but at myself. I I don't exercise. I do like movement. I keep thinking like a dance class would be a better option for me because it would be more fun, except it's hard to find one. And I don't, much like Alan, I'm like, I'm not good at it. I'm not coordinated at it. Um, but one thing, so here's the question I have, which is what would I you tell I never said I wasn't coordinated. I'm coordinated. You said, I can't dance. That's what you said. Sass no, I said, I'm I, not a, I said, I'm not a dancer. I can move, but uh, boy, am I coordinated though. Give me a soccer ball and I'm there. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I'm not coordinated. I'll trip over my own feet. So <laughs> I'm not coordinated and I'm not a dancer, but I'm awesome. I'm not, I'm not talking shit about myself, but what is the advice as a coach in this space that you would give somebody who wants to bring in more movement to connect the mind body, but isn't really ever going to physically exert themselves that, that somebody is me? What would you tell me? <laughs> well, that's, that's actually part of why I like the work that I'm doing because we're doing it virtually. So people can turn their cameras off because what they're doing movement wise it's not, it's not about being consumed not about perfection. by a viewer, Yeah. right? It's about doing it for oneself. And so that it's that space of finding the joy of movement, which you said that you don't work out. I'm going to be honest. I kind of hate working out. I go and yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, I hate this, right? I, sometimes I like the after effect of that high, but I hate it in the moment, right? So this is more about finding the joy in the movement and the joy in our bodies and finding those places in our bodies that just need a little more attention, a little more focus. And it can be gentle if that's where, where we're at, or it can be a little bit more aggressive if we're feeling that. It can get out some of our emotions. Put on some music sometimes, right? That's part of it. It's like if we just put on music and dance around, that's an amazing experience. I hope more people, I hope everybody does that. That is the thing I will do. Children do do that. We should be doing everything children do. Yeah. Because they are uninhibited. Alan, you're saying that we should be doing what children do. I think with the other podcasts, you guys talk about uh, failure, right? And I think with kids, when you're learning how, when they're learning, the biggest thing when they're learning is actually when they make a mistake, right? And they're like, oh, well, actually, maybe that's not a mistake. Maybe that's a, a new way of doing it. Or, oh. Well, I guess I'm not going to do that again. But if they're constantly, quote unquote, successful, it's almost like that's not full learning. And those spaces of mistakes are actually the places where we learn the most. Yeah. Always. I mean, there is, I I know that Alan and I both subscribe to the fact that there are no failures. There are just learning opportunities. Uh, And one of the notes that I had made from earlier on in our conversation 
you talked about going to South Africa, seeking this opportunity, going after it, getting it, showing up, deciding this wasn't for you, and then doing something else. Now, a lot of people would have either stuck it out because I did all this work to be here and I'm just going to make this work or felt like a failure. And it was notable to me as you were telling the story that there was none of that. You were playing with none of that. You were like, okay, I'm here. What other chance opportunities can I create? Can you tell to us a little bit about? In the moment, I actually did feel like a failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 19. I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I did feel like a failure. I felt like this was my chance to be a ballet dancer. And I was about to hit 20. Now, then I'd be old. <laughs> <laughs> but I did feel a bit like a failure. But I also felt like I, I, I knew I wasn't in a good place being there. Mm-hmm. And that continuing to be there was not the right choice for me. So I could go and do something else. Or I could continue to do which, that which was not working. And that's one thing that I'd learned pretty young is if something, you keep doing the same thing over again and it's not good for you, don't do it anymore. Yeah. And, but I will say the reason you didn't hear that question of failure is because I look back at that and it's part of what has shaped me because I did step away from ballet at that point in time. And it's, I trained in modern. I trained in Graham and Cunningham at that up until then. But then I started to explore more postmodern and contemporary dance. And it really changed who I am as a person and opened a lot more doors for me. So the choice to do this ended up creating who I am today. And I kind of like me. So I can't look back at that moment and consider that a failure anymore. You know, look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What would you say your most notable or impactful relationship that happened by chance is? I think the qualification of the most makes it really difficult. <laughs> or just one that's notable to you. One, one of, one one I mean, of I, the most. Obviously, Nadra Asaf, who's the one who invited me to Lebanon, but I've already spoken so much about that experience that I feel that would kind of be rehashing things. But she's, I spent a decade in Lebanon because of this woman who invited me out there and has She's always been so incredibly supportive of my work. We've also presented in Cyprus and in New York together and have just continued to create work together, both creatively and scholarly. Um, And a lot of it for me, I'd say, I think about the longevity of a number of people in my life. It's not specifically in the traditional sense of mentorship where someone necessarily has 
constantly more experience. It's more that we mentor each other throughout. Mm. I think about one of my friends who danced with Bill T. Jones for a number of years and then transitioned into academia. And then during the interview process, I was already a professor and we talked through some of that. And then at other moments, she's definitely been there to help guide me. And so we've, we've bounced off of each other. That also was a chance meeting where she moved to Seattle when I was training there, when we were both 16 and we met and we stayed in touch and have constantly been supportive of each other throughout our careers. Um, I think about a writing project that I'm working on right now. And one of my friends who's a sociology professor is like, well, don't you have anyone to kind of help guide you through this? I'm like, no. Well, then I'm going to be doing this for you. And so it's just these maintaining of these relationships where that's purely a friendship that we've supported each other in a number of ways. And I need mentorship right now. And they Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to do this for you. Um, So I'd say the the most significant thing is just for me, maintaining these really smart, talented, important people in my life and checking in with them and maintaining those friendships. That's fantastic. And peer-to-peer mentorship is really underrated. Um, It's so important and so impactful. And I, I, it's easy to overlook that, you know, somebody who can support you. You know, when we find my, my key mentor in, in my adult life used to say, there's no such thing as I don't know how to, if you want to enough, you figure out how. And one of the first ways that I have found to do that successfully is to go, who do I know that knows this? And then getting over myself and asking, advice, support, accountability, mentorship of them. And I don't know about you, Rain, but I find most people are very happy to do so. Yeah, very much so. And especially, it's like, I always want to have more people doing more things. I know that's my approach to stuff. And sometimes I don't have the time, but then I'm like, here's someone else who'd be happy to help with this, or here's a resource. But most people are really excited when more projects are happening and people are being creative and you're doing your thing. Rain, can you share with everybody two things, two part question. One, as far as you know, what is the next in chance opportunity you're looking to embrace? And then B, how people can connect with you and follow along on your journey? I think the first question might kind of, how does one know it's going to be a chance opportunity if it's going to be a chance opportunity? I don't know. It could be, it could have already shown up and you're deciding that you're going to lean into it. It, it perhaps could have. It hasn't yet. I think <laughs> chance opportunities are a little harder when we're a little bit more isolated. I do think that that has created some of those things. It is harder to do when we're isolated. You just have to put more intention behind it. Again, intentional creation. I'm so impressed with with people who who continue to do what you're doing and and adapting changing moving forward regardless of of failure because I don't want to again Heather said that I love I love talking about failure because it's not a bad thing I love to learn from it to grow from it and to use it as a positive experience to step forward and literally in dance you are stepping forward backward sideways all over the place but you're moving for you're moving even if you're not flying even if you're not flying (laughs) and and i'm just i'm always impressed with people like you and especially those who have the time and the patience to teach oh my god all right how can folks find you follow along on your journey hire you watch your short film all of the things 
on Instagram, I'm Rain Ross Dance. I'm, my personal account is RainR9. Uh, you can also find me on my website, www.rainross.com. Or if you'd prefer to come and be one of my students at Stockton University, it is stockton.edu forward slash dance. Or you can just email me at rain.ross at stockton.edu. And by the way, that is Stockton University in New Jersey, not in California. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's been lovely to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me on. All right. Well, we can't wait to see your short film. We wish you so much success in that. And you'll have to keep us posted on what chance presents itself. I'll tell you what I really liked was that I would love to be able to just pick up and travel anywhere in the world. Oh God, me too. Whenever the thought, I mean, I didn't do that before I had kids. So this idea that she can just go, uh, Oh, I think South Africa would be cool or sure. Let me go to Lebanon. Like that's amazing. Youth is wasted on the young. That is, I don't know who said that, <laughs> but I, I, I don't take credit for that quote. But I wish I had the knowledge and the the gumption and the, uh, I guess, life experience now that I did when I was twenty, right? Or at no, sorry, at twenty that I do now, so that right. I could just say, like, you know what? I understand that just picking up and leaving now is the time to do it. And, and and this goes back, I think, you know, to example and what you're fortunate enough to ex- inherit and experience with sure. your family life yeah. and all that as well. Like, I hope my kids are able to appreciate traveling because I like to travel with them. But my parents never traveled. Anyway, right. I'm... No, I'm, it's true. Yeah, yeah, my parents didn't travel until I was older, until I was in late high school and college. So not with me, but I do travel with my kids yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 So like my wife got me into traveling and she travels because her parents travel and like Mm -hmm. it's one of those things, you know, and oh God. Anyway, back to Rain. What a very (laughs) cool, cool lady. And I I love I love the you know, we got into a little bit of the neuroscience of dancing (laughs) and creativity. And I I try to nerd out as much as I can because. Oh, it's so easy for you, honey. Oh, thank you. Yeah, she is very cool. Yes, you hit on the neuroscience of it a little bit. What I what I loved is that Rain is the kind of person I want more people to be like this who chase chance. Like they mm. create it. So, yes, it was chance, but also that intentional creation element that we talk about. Like she's like, "I want this thing. How shall I find it?" Yes, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I loved it that she's like, I want to go to South Africa so I can meet my family. How am I going to get there? And it was just this perfect combination of chasing it down in and I've Oprah-ing your idea into the world. That is now a verb that we should somehow absolutely put yes, in the it dictionary. absolutely is. We Oprah, uh, yeah, Oprah so op- it into the world. Oprah it into the world. <laughs> and <laughs> and she made it happen. And then now it is in, in the traveling and making it to Lebanon. And now she's like for 10 years, a decade now, she's been going back there and doing all of this. Yeah. And it's just been this incredible, incredible life change, literal life changing experience for her, but also the selflessness of what she's doing and putting together this short film and the, the climate, the political climate in Lebanon right now is so it's full of despair and hopelessness, as she was saying. Yeah. And as soon as these people start dancing, as soon as she's enabling them to mm. express themselves and bring out their creativity, all of that 
temporarily goes away. It's this respite. Such a make, gift. Yeah, it's such a gift. And and I I love what she's doing. I can't wait to see this film. I know. Me either. I think it's amazing. There was a lot. It really did give me sort of like this little seed in my solar plexus, right? In my belly to want to find intentional movement to build it in my life, not necessarily to be a dancer, but how can I just move my body more and connect my body and my mind? And um, what kind of opportunities will just choosing to do that present for me? Something she said that is still sticking with me is, is that, you know, she said, if you're asked, would you rather lose your body or your mind first as you get older? And she said, how can you choose? They're, they're intertwined. They're linked. If you lose one, you lose the other. And I, I believe that. And I've always believed that. And I didn't realize until she said it that I believed that because (laughs) like, that's what we've talked about, about, uh, keeping your mind elastic and making sure that you're, you're doing things differently to to get new experiences and that's for the mind but you do it with your body and movement makes your mind want to be more receptive and it's this circular thing of that whole like dragon chasing its own tail picture right or the yin yin and the yang and all of this Mm -hmm. and i'm just fascinated by this as i'm getting older and my family's getting older and to watch that they go they go hand in hand and if you lose one you lose the other very quickly absolutely well i loved it i can't wait to see the dance film and follow what Rain is up to. If you all have some amazing story to tell us how chance changed your life, how can they find us, Alan? On the Instagrams <laughs> at Was It Chance. Shoot us a DM. Tag us. Give us a screenshot of listening. We'll share it. We'll give you some props. We will. We're going to share it. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be good stuff. Or email us at wasitchancepodcast at gmail.com. We're so easy to find. It's fun. Mm-hmm. We have a fun show, Alan. Do we? What? Really? No, do you we? were supposed to say, hell yeah, you're dummy. No, dummy. Of course we do. <laughs> yeah. Of course we do. We have a fun show. Thanks so much for tuning into Was Thanks. It Chance, the podcast about embracing opportunity and taking intentional risk for your creative life. I'm Heather Vickery. I'm Alan Seals. You see that so much better than me. <laughs> We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.